You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to weareredwood.org. We hope that the message that you're about to hear will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. And uh, we've been in a series on warring with worry. And I have been tremendously blessed personally by it. And I trust that it's been an encouragement to you as well. And this is our fifth lesson uh, in this study, and I've entitled the lesson this, Faith and Anxiety are Incompatible. Faith and Anxiety are Incompatible. So if you worry, and I know that we all worry, but if you and I are excessive worriers, really, really, if we're just worrying in general, but if we're worrying, if we're, if, if we're anxious, uh, Jesus, the way he puts it throughout this text is give no thought. It's, it's a phrase that's like, don't, you know, don't be wringing your hands over things. Don't be worrying. But if, if that is the case, how does Jesus define the manifestation of our worry? And I want you to, I want you to hear his words. What kind of what kind of faith does is manifesting itself when you and I worry? Well, according to Jesus, it is little faith. Look what it says in verse number 30 of Matthew chapter number 6. Again, we've been, we've been going through these verses, taking a little chunk here and there. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, we talked about that last week, kind of the, just the, the, the power of that statement, Shall he not much more clothe you? And then Jesus adds this little phrase, O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. And so you and I, when we are worrying, when we are anxious, we're not expressing the faith with which you and I are commanded to live by. And if you and I are a child of God, and I, um, I believe as, as I look out, you all have made a uh, profession at least of your salvation and you know the Lord is your Savior, then you by definition, praise God for this, you have a heavenly Father. Just simply by definition. And so to act like we do not, nervously asking, you know, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to, uh, you know, uh, well, what, what am I going to drink? It's honestly to act as if we don't have a heavenly Father. And who doesn't have a heavenly Father? Who? The unsaved. So Jesus says, hey, you know, the, the, the fields, we, we've talked about that. Why are you of so little faith? I'm going to provide for you. If I take care of them, if I take care of the birds, I'm going to provide for you. Why are you having no faith in this area? Verse 31, Therefore, take no thought, or don't be anxious over, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth they have need of all of these things. Now you must understand what Jesus, you and I, I mean unless you are, are um, a Jew in here or you have you know, even some partial of that in your life, we're Gentiles for the most part in here. And so when Jesus is teaching this, you and I, we're, we're converted Gentiles. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, praise God, there's no difference between uh, you know, Jew and Greek anymore, Jew and Gentile. Christ changed all that. He broke down the wall of partition that separated the two and all of those beautiful uh, gospel 
truths that we learn in his death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. However, when Jesus was teaching this, the Gentile world at the time would have basically been a lost, unregenerate community. And that's what that's the connection that Jesus is making here. He's saying, when you act like you don't have a heavenly father, Ryan, the way you do that is by your worrying and you're wondering if things are going to work out. You're being anxious, right? The things that you and I think if we're transparent, we struggle with. He's like, Ryan, when you're doing that, you are acting as if you do not have a heavenly father, which the Gentiles don't. Remember I said last week, I said what, my, what, what boggles my mind is how do lost people go through things? How do they go through loss? How do they go through uh, just the, the, the worries of this culture in our world? They, they don't have a heavenly father they can go to. Now praise God for God's common grace that it reigns on the just and the unjust. And hallelujah for all that. But you and I, we've got a heavenly father that cares. And he said, hey Ryan, you, you're acting like a lost person. Is what Jesus is saying. Because that's what the distinction would be back in this day because Paul had not begun to take the Gospel to the Gentiles. And that doesn't mean that there were not uh, Christian Gentiles at this time. But the term here would be Jesus is kind of making the divide here. Those of you that are, uh, those of you that have a Heavenly Father and those that do not. When I'm worrying all the time, when I'm anxious, I'm living as if I do not. And for you and I, I mean, think about it. God can redeem us. He's, he can break the shackles of sin and Satan. He can take us from heaven to hell. He can put us into His kingdom. He can transform our nature. He can give us eternal life. But we're worried about what's going to happen in the next couple of days? It doesn't seem right, does it? And that's what this series is all about. This series is not so much to rebuke you. I mean, let the Holy Spirit do that. Let the Word do that. But it's more so to say, hey, these are reminders. These are things that as you go through your life and as you are tempted to worry. Remember the, remember the way Jesus brackets this kind of this time? And He says, hey, if you're worrying, stop. And if you're not worrying, don't start. That's how He brackets this whole thing. And so when these things come about, these are just to remind you, hey, you've got a heavenly Father. Stop acting like you don't, Ryan. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. I can trust Him for my entire trans eternity and all the sanctification that goes on with that, but I can't trust Him with next week. I can't trust Him with the conversation that I have to have or a situation that I have to have or whatever the case is. And so we can believe God for the greater gift and then we stumble and not believe Him for the lesser one. That's what Jesus is driving at here. He's saying, don't, don't be a man or woman of little faith. Don't be anxious over these different types of things. Now some might say, Ryan, you've spent, <laughs> you've spent five weeks in Matthew chapter number 6. What's the big deal with anxiety? What's the big deal with worry? It's just it's what we do. It's, it's just a small sin. It's actually not. I realize that sin is sin, but there are different consequences for other sins. We understand that uh, the smallest of white lies put Christ on the cross. We, I, I think we get that. 
I believe many mental illness and some physical illnesses are directly related to worry. Worry is devastating, absolutely. But more important than what worry does to you is what it says about God. And what it, if you, I don't, take, take this the right way. God is sovereign, but actually what it does to God. In some cases, it kind of handcuffs him because people are looking to us. I'm getting way ahead of myself here. But when you and I, when we give in to worry, you know what we're saying in effect? We're saying, God, I just do not think I can trust you. And so what happens when I'm worrying, you notice I keep adding myself in this because I don't want you to feel like this is me preaching at you, but worry kind of strikes a blow at the person and the character of, of God. And so can I, can I say something that is maybe tough to hear? The worrier disbelieves Scripture. And so it, it breaks my heart sometimes as a pastor to, you know, to hear Christians say, hey, you know, I believe in the, I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. And I believe in the Word of God. You know, you know all, the, all of the, 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 the catchphrases. You know, I believe in this. And yet our lives can be just evidence of continual worry and fret. Can I call it what it is? It's blatant hypocrisy in our life. It's hypocrisy in my life to claim that I trust in this heavenly Father and yet I'll go about a week worrying. You know what that's saying? It's saying there, there's an area in my life that is, that is hypocritical. Are you, you, you okay with that? Ryan, you just called me a hypocrite. Okay, yeah. And so we've got, to, we, we, we've got to work on it. We can't just say, ah, it's a, it's a small thing. Why are we going just verse by verse through here in uh, Matthew 6? Because it's important. It's incompatible to say how much I believe the Bible and then for me to live in doubt and worry that God's not going to fulfill what He has said in it. So number one, if you are taking notes here, and I am going to encourage you to write down a few things here uh, in a little bit. But if you are taking like specific notes, number one, the worrier is mastered by circumstances. The worrier is mastered by circumstances. Now, who's supposed to be our master, church? Right. So, but a worrier, we're not mastered by him. We are mastered by circumstances. When I worry, what I'm doing is I'm choosing to be mastered by something that is going on in my life rather than, praise God, the unchanging truth. And so I get, I get mastered by my experience. I get mastered by my emotion rather than the reality of the truth. You don't have to answer this out loud, but do we ever question the care of God? I think I can probably speak for all of us in here. Yeah, there's times. Guess what? That's an emotion. That is a feeling that is not based on any unchanging truth of the Word of God. And so the uncertainties of trials in our life, those pale in comparison to the greatness of our salvation. Jesus wants us to realize that it does not make sense to believe God can save us from eternal life. Again, that's what the Gentiles do. 
You're no longer a Gentile. You have a heavenly Father. The heavenly Father, the, the, the Father of all the universe, takes care of the lilies of the field, takes care of the flowers, all of the, uh, the birds, all the things that Jesus was teaching there. And then what does He say? And won't your heavenly Father take much better care of you? And then, oh, when you don't live in like that, that's how the Gentiles live. So He is absolutely making a correlation here and he's saying hey you had enough sense to believe god that he could save you from eternal hell but ryan it the word can't help us enough for the practical matters of life turn to ephesians 1 please ephesians chapter number one ephesians 1 the apostle paul reflects on some kind of a similar desire with the church at Ephesus. They're, they're not quite parallel, but, but, but he, has a, he has an amazing prayer for them. So he's got a heart, he's got a pastor's heart, missionary heart, whatever you want to call it, for the churches that God used him to, to start. And one of those churches was in Ephesus. And he is praying for them in Ephesians chapter number 1, but a specific portion of the prayer at verse number 18. Paul is praying for them and he's saying that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, being made alive, being quickened, now now you can see that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power. And so Paul is praying again it's he's just praying hey i'm praying that your eyes would be opened that, that that you would understand what you have in christ all of the riches that you have often what do we do we're seeking earthly riches we're seeking temporal riches and christ is like no no no, lift up lift up your eyes kingdom minded and so paul is praying hey that your eyes would be open that you would see how good you have it Ryan, this series is for Ryan that I would see how, how good I have it and that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I begin to understand, that I begin to see it, that I would have tools that I go through my week and be like, no, 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 don't worry about this, Ryan. Don't, don't be anxious about this because of all of the realities that I know from the Word of God. And so worrier is mastered by circumstances. It's not mastered by the Gospel. It's not mastered by our true standing of who we are as having a heavenly Father, which means we're children of God. That's awesome. Number two, number two, the worrier distrusts God. Now, we probably wouldn't word it that way. We wouldn't want to agree to that. But that's ultimately what it comes down to is that we're not trusting God. We don't trust Him. And the reason why I don't trust Him is because I don't know Him well enough. I'm not reminding myself enough of just how good God has been. And I want you to take heart because the effective remedy is study the Word of God. Find out who He really is how He has supplied the needs of His people in the past. 
that's going to build your confidence in him for the future. Stay in God's word. JV's here, excited for he's here for the weekend. But you remember a couple weeks ago, I don't even know, probably about a month and a half ago, uh, really before this series, was the power of the word of God. And so get in the word of God. Stay in the word of God. Read it on a daily basis. Listen to it on a daily basis. Maybe that's maybe you're a better maybe you're a better hearer than you are necessarily a reader. It, 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 praise God for the technology that we have today. Amen. It's good stuff, man. It's just awesome. It's just that you and I are so blessed to uh, be able to have the Word of God just really at our fingertips all the time. But 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 read about it, because if we don't, if we're not in the Word, you know what Satan does? Satan moves into the vacuum, so to speak, that the Word was meant to have. And he begins to tempt you. He begins to lie to you. He begins to give you all kinds of reasons why you should be worrying and fretting and anxious. But instead, let God's track record in Scripture, in your own life, assure you that worry is needless. And the reason why it's needless is because of the the bounty of God. Learn that our worry is senseless because of God's promises. And his track record for you is, is amazing. Let me give you number three. Number three, because I got, I, got, I got a couple more here today. I don't want to go into next week. Number three, the worrier robs from the future. The worrier robs from the future. Much of our anxiety is born out of concerns and uncertainty regarding our future. I think if we were to take a poll here and we were to kind of maybe list out the things that maybe we're a little bit anxious or worrying about, most likely the vast majority of them would all be future things. Not so much stuff in the past. Why? Because it's already happened, right? But, I mean, there, there might be something that, that, that you're thinking of, you know, in the past. But we get caught up in our plans and programs. And again, it doesn't mean we don't plan. But what happens is, is if we get so caught up in that, we overlook the blessings of today, which in return lend itself to obsessing over uncontrollable details of the hori- on the horizon. Turn back to Matthew 6, please. Matthew 6. Continuing down through, look at verse number 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. In other words, don't, don't concern yourself so much about tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So in effect, here's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, hey, don't worry about the future. Everything will have its, every time, every day is going to have its share of problems. It's just we live, in a, we live in a broken world. And we still have broken bodies. Praise God for the day when those will cease. But the reality is, is that every day, every week, every month, every year going forward is going to have its problems. But worrying about those problems does not really, it doesn't accomplish anything. And so just deal with them as they come for there's no way to solve them in advance. Again, that doesn't mean that you don't plan. I don't think we can go, don't go that far. Planning doesn't mean that you're worrying. Anxious and anxiety is is that you just believe that God's not going to um, fulfill the promises that He's made to you. And so i got to help myself here. Planning and providing for tomorrow is good. 
but worrying about it is sin. It's sin. Turn to Lamentations chapter 3. All right, let's see if we can find that. It's okay to go to a concordance, y'all. It's all good. Lamentations chapter number 3. Go be honest. You went to the concordance. Raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Your anxiety about the future is really doubt in God's sovereign control. Look at verse 22. I love these verses. These are like plastered on, you know, pictures and stuff in houses. And they're, they're great verses. Lamentations 3, verse 22. It is of the Lord's... Are we there? Did we click there? Wherever we needed? It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What are new every morning? His mercies are new every morning. So put your confidence in the Lord's daily grace and provision and you will be less prone to panic about an uncertain future. See, what happens is this worry paralyzes its victim. It makes him or her too upset to accomplish anything else. What it does, if, if, if we're so consumed about the future, it literally kind of puts its, like neck, its hands around our neck, and then we can't even, we've already talked about this health-wise, we can't even do what we're supposed to do that day. People don't take care of themselves. Because they're so panic attack driven towards the future. It hijacks your focus. It forces you mentally into tomorrow. Occupying your mind with doubts and details that hear me. Again, apart from planning, stuff like that. But you can't control them. And so I'm consuming my mind with like a lethal drug. That's not going to fix tomorrow or the next week, or the next month. And so Jesus says you have enough to deal with today. Here's what I want you to write down. Type it mentally. Do what you got to do. Apply today's resources to today's needs. Or you will lose today's joy. Let me say that again. Apply today's resources, mercies that are new every morning, to today's needs or you will lose today's joy. And listen, it is a sin for a Christian not to live in joy. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Joy. 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 Rejoice evermore. And again, I say rejoice. You and I were commanded. We're commanded. Not only are we commanded, oh, don't let that be a huge weight for you. You are commanded to live in joy, but you are empowered in Christ to live it. The Holy Spirit living through you, oh, guess what? You're going to be joyful. So it's like, I didn't, I don't, don't let me put some backpack on you today. No, 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 no. 
unleash Christ. Unleash His Spirit in you. But listen, when we apply today's resources, today's needs, then guess what? You can live today. What is today? It is September 15th, 2019. You can live in joy. Man, but if we're worried about tomorrow, we're worried about the next thing. It doesn't mean we don't plan. It doesn't mean... No, 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 no. But we're anxious and we're worrying and we're, we're wondering if God can do it. A lack of joy. Mm. Psalm, the psalmist said, This is the day which the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I think there's a song that goes with that, right? This is the day. No, I won't sing it. But this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. But my friends, if we're focused on tomorrow, focused on next week, next month, we're not going to rejoice today. We're not going to enjoy today. I want everyone to do this. Taking a big, deep breath. Go, and then blow it out. Not everybody did it. You have life today. You have breath today. And David said in Psalm 150, if you've got breath, if you've got life, Use that breath, use that life to praise the Lord. Worry is robbing our joy, my friends. It's robbing our joy. We're not literally distinctly happy for a world that's watching us. So God gives you the glorious gift of life today. Live it to its fullest within the bounds of what He desires for you to do, of course, for His glory. And enjoy it. Use the resources that He supplies for you. Do not push yourself into the future. Do not place yourself and forfeit today's joy over some tomorrow that, honestly, I don't mean to be morbid, may never happen. A lot of the things we worry about doesn't happen, but I mean, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But we're living today. Let's live for His honor and for His glory. Here's what Jay Adams said. Jay Adams, he's, he's written some excellent materials on counseling those that are struggling with anxiety and depression. And in what do you do when you worry all the time? Here's what he says. Let's, let's good. Tomorrow always belongs to God. Whenever we try to take hold of it, we try to steal what belongs to Him. Sinners want what is not theirs to have. And my, man, just the, 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 the sin that still remains. It wants what, well, what's not theirs to have and thereby destroy themselves. God has given us only today. He strongly forbids us to become concerned about what might happen. Warriors not only want what they have been forbidden, but also fail to use what has been given to them. Well said. And so realize that God gives you strength one day at a time. He gives you what you need when you need it. You know what God doesn't do? God does not burden you with excess baggage. You don't, know, you, you don't need today what you're going to need tomorrow. You don't need that yet. So He doesn't put that on you yet. He doesn't, he doesn't supply that for you yet. Perhaps maybe one of your worst fears is handling a loved one's death. Right In the years that the Lord has allowed me to pastor, I've heard on dozens of cases where people will come and they will just say, it's amazing what the Lord is helping me with. What I thought I was never going to be able to deal with. The thing that, 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 that feared maybe my mom or my dad dying or whatever it is. 
that as that begins to take place, maybe it's a spouse, that, oh, God, he's, he's helping me from day to day. His grace is sufficient in this time of great need in that person's life. And so God gives us His grace in the hour we need it. We don't have the time to necessarily... Yeah, let's go there. Let's go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. Look at verse number 14. Hebrews 4, verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Oh man, we should have just read the whole chapter. The whole chapter is so awesome. But you get to verse 14, seeing then, so you're going to look based on the previous verses, that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in what? Time of need. In time of need. Now please hear me. I absolutely believe in future grace. Meaning this, that God will give you the grace needed to go through a situation when the time comes. To my knowledge today, I do not need the grace that would be needed in my life to bury one of my parents. To my knowledge, I won't need that today. To my knowledge, I won't get the news that either my mom or my father or even Sarah's parents slipped off into eternity. So to my knowledge, I, don't need, I, I won't need that grace. And I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to be too cavalier. Then I shouldn't be worrying about it today. Because when the day does come, and man, life stinks, it's going to come. Unless we hear the trumpet, wouldn't that be awesome? Then I'm going to have to bury my parents. But it's in that time when we come under that throne of grace and we receive what we need but it's in but it's in that specific time if we worry about the future now listen to what i'm about to say if we worry about our future now we double our pain without having the grace to deal with it you following that if i am going to constantly be consumed with the future Again, I don't need the grace of the fact that my parents are going to pass. Yet if I am anxious and I am worrying and I am losing sleep over the fact that someday my parents... Listen, I don't have that grace yet. Because it's not time of need yet. Now God is so good and He's so gracious. You can go to Him God, help me with this. And He can, he can help you in, in that moment. But I think you know what I mean. If we're not careful, what will happen is, is we are, we're literally doubling our pain without really the grace to deal with it are you in hebrews 4 turn to hebrews 13 real quick hebrews 13 i want you to see a familiar verse awesome
Verse number 8. Jesus Christ, the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Have you memorized that verse before? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. That means that He will be doing the same thing tomorrow that He was doing yesterday. If you have any questions about the future, look to your past. Did He sustain you then? You're sustained. You're here. Look to the past. He'll sustain you in the future. Number four. Number four. Man, I've got to hurry. I've got to number four. Number four. Replacing worry with the right focus. So the worrier is mastered by his circumstances. We're not mastered by our true master who is Christ and God. Worry ultimately distrusts God. The worrier robs from the future. And then number four, replacing worry with the right focus. Scripture is clear that we should not focus on all of the uncertainty of tomorrow. But it is also clear about where our focus should be instead. This is what Jesus said to His followers in the same instructions. This, This bold truth for us today. And here's what he said. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto him. This is in that context. So in other words, what is he saying? He's saying, focus your thoughts and your energy on the Lord's plans and purposes. And he takes care of the things that we so often fret over. God wants us to free to free his children from being preoccupied with the mundane. He wants you to set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. We've talked about that. Seeking God's kingdom, His glory, His purposes, that ought to be our first priority. It means doing what you can to promote God's rule over His creation. Turn to one last text. Romans 14. Romans 14, please. Romans 14. Yes. Right focus. The right focus. So Jesus says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to seek the kingdom. I want you to, I want you to seek my cause, my purposes, my plans for your life, for this world, for creation in general. Paul says, hey, I want you to set your affections. I want to anchor your affections on those types of things, not on the temporal. Don't treasure. We're, I'm reviewing the things we've learned. Don't don't, don't set your heart. Don't treasure the things that are simply temporal. Do so, kingdom of God. Hebrews 14, verse number 17. For the kingdom of God, now this is a loaded chapter, Romans chapter 14. And we can't deal with all of it this morning. But listen, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and And what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. So when you and I are setting our affections on the things above, when you and I are treasuring kingdom-minded things, He's saying, 
you also need, well, what's going to rule your life is going to be righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Ghost. And so when the world sees those virtues in your life instead of worry, it's evidence of the Lord's work in you. And it testifies to the priorities of your heart. Listen, you and I, we can tell people about the gospel all day long. But if we're just a bunch of, we are just a bunch of worry warts, they're going to be like, it doesn't do anything for you. You're worrying about the same thing I'm worrying about. It just, this, this is what I'm saying. We, it kind of it handcuffs God a little bit. Now, I'm, again, we're, we really can't do that. But I think you know what I mean by that. People are very, very sight-driven. They're very, they're very visual learners. And so if they are observing your life and they are observing my life and there's no true difference if there's not that righteous peace and joy that is coming out of our life as we're seeking the kingdom and we're not worrying about so much these temporal things, but if they see no difference, they're not necessarily going to want that. They're going to question the power of the Lord. They're going to question the love of the Lord. Well, He can't really love you. Look at you. When I say you, I'm speaking generally. It's not easy to cast your cares on the Lord, is it? It's not easy just to trust Him all the way. That's kind of where we're heading next. I'm going to break down some of, those, some of those texts. But it's what has been commanded to us through His Word. And in a world consumed with worry, in a world that's consumed with fear and an anxiety-free life, hear me, it adorns the Gospel. It magnifies it. It makes it sweet smelling savor of, man, I want that. Ryan and his family, they've gone through the same thing I've gone through, but to the glory of God, they've reacted differently. And it adorns the Gospel with such beauty. So look at your life objectively right now. What consumes your thoughts? What do you spend most of your time thinking about again you go to the job you're doing that for the glory of god guess what that is eternal so i i understand that but what is it that consumes that idle time what is it where do you put your energy where do you put your resources into that to that idle time the daily pattern of your life says a lot about what matters to you what you hope for what you put your trust in and what you truly love one way or another, your father, your life, excuse me, is a testimony to those around you. So Ryan, what does your life say about my faith? Remember where we started? Saying, hey, hey, oh, you have a little faith. Ryan, stop it, stop it. You got a heavenly father. He takes care of all that stuff out there. He's going to take care of you. Live, Jesus is saying, Ryan, live life like you're a child of God. And by the way, we've been eternally blessed because we're a child of God. Now go live in that freedom. Go live in that Holy Spirit living outside of you, and you'll have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all of the things that beautifully adorn the gospel. And so when we preach Christ to others, they're like, hmm, I want that. Because they see a believer that is warring with worry and experiencing some victories in their life. Let's pray.